0: So, gracious, are you ready for the Word of God? Amen, amen. As you know, uh, listening to God's Word is not just mentally and intellectually, right? It is something that you need to catch in your spirit, right? In your heart. And so this morning, I believe that God is going to speak to all of us. So right now, as we begin this uh, message, I'd like all of us to do something for me, please. Okay, can you all just close your eyes for a moment? Okay, just close your eyes wherever you're seated, just for a while, but please don't fall asleep. Okay, Um, I want you to imagine with me what is it like living in darkness? What is that like? Okay, for example, imagine yourself having an entire meal with your eyes closed. What is that like? It's uncomfortable, right? And a bit disorienting. And, uh, you know, I had that experience once where I had an entire meal in peach darkness. Okay, you may open your eyes right now in case you you fall asleep, closing your eyes for too long. So I was blessed, right, with a lovely couple to actually uh, eat have a meal at a restaurant called Knox Dine in the Dark. Okay, some of you may have uh, heard of it, and uh, it was a very interesting and a very unique experience, but highly uncomfortable and even frustrating. Okay, what is that like? Okay, so we were led into this room that was pitch dark. All right, and totally dark, and I mean like when you put your hand in front of your face, right, you can't even see your fingers. It was pitch dark, okay? And so we we were, you know, we had to feel our way, feel our way to the table, to the chair, we had to sit down, and then, you know, we had to feel our way around the table, like, oh, this is my spoon, this is my plate, this is my cup, okay? You can't see anything at all. And you can't see what you are eating, so we had to be careful, okay, not to put the food into our nose, (laughs) <laughs> All right, and, and it was really uncomfortable, you know, uh, I can't even see uh, my wife who was sitting in front of me that I'm talking to. Uh, and, and that was such an interesting experience, and I had, what, I had a taste of what it's like living in darkness. And of course, you know, no need to say uh, it wasn't a good place for selfies, ah. Uh because it will just appear, you know, as a a dark, you know, photo. So it's not a good place for selfies. And uh, living in the darkness is something that is really, really uncomfortable. It's not something I would want for myself. And this is a parallel for the kind of spiritual darkness that I hope that none of us is in. And so today's message, okay, we're going to talk about how great a hope it is when Jesus came and He declared, I am the light of the world. It's a great hope. And that's the title for today's message. I am the light of the world. And those of you who are online, why don't you type in the chat right now, light. Yes, L-I-G-H-T. Just type in the chat right now, light. And it's such a great hope, right? Because without light, we grope in darkness, in fear, and in hopelessness. And last week, you know, we heard about how Jesus was the bread of life, remember? And that is the first of seven I Am sayings in the book of John by Jesus. And today, I Am, the light of the world, is the second of the seven I Am statements. And it's found in John chapter 8, verse 12, okay? Let's read it together, okay? You can see it on the screen. Let's read this together right now. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. And the big idea for today's message, Jesus gives true illumination and guidance in life. Jesus gives true illumination and guidance in life. You see, after Jesus made that declaration, the Apostle John used this very amazing story as an illustration of how Jesus is the light of the world. And in this story, we look at the three main characters and discover some powerful truths for our lives. And the first character is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is light. And the story begins in chapter 9 verse 1, okay? John 9 verse 1 says, As he passed by, referring to Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, the the disciples ask a very common question when faced with tragedy and suffering. Very common, and it is the why question. Right, they want to know why. Why is this man blind? Was it his fault? Did he sin that he was was blind? Uh, It seemed unlikely because he was born this way. So maybe it was his parents who sinned. But Jesus said it was neither because that was irrelevant to what God wanted to do. All they needed to know and all we need to know is that ultimately, even suffering and tragedy can be used by God for His good purposes, for His good works. Ultimately, God can use that. And and Jesus continued um, in this story, verse 4. He says, We must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And this is a declaration that he, he's repeating right now, which he already made in John 8:12. You see, this, God's special assignment for Jesus, this work that Jesus was talking about, was to show people who God is and to die on the cross to redeem the world. And that is a work we will commemorate Coming Friday, and that is Good Friday. And by dying on the cross, by showing people who God is, he would illuminate the world. He would give illumination to the world as the light of the world. And notice here that He did not, that He said, we. We must do the works, right? And um, Jesus made it clear here that the disciples had an important role to play in that work. And that is in line with other verses in the Bible, and I believe you will remember the talk about, you know, Jesus saying that you are the salt and light of the world, right? And the Apostle Paul also mentioned that we are children of light in 1 Thessalonians 5. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and we must do God's work, right? So this implies that we are the little lights that God has sent to bring light to the world. Amen? We are the little lights. Tell your neighbour right now, we are children of light. And those online can type that in the chat as well, children of light. We are. And now let's dive deeper into what it really means for Jesus to be the light of the world. What does it really mean? You see, light here speaks of spiritual illumination and insight, Spiritual illumination and insight. It is supernatural, right? It is where, you know, the, your, your mind gets enlightened and you begin to understand something which you never saw before, right? And, and it's like the aha moment. And, and some truth dawns upon you, right? I think many of you may have experienced that before. That is that spiritual illumination. And, um, you know, notice that Jesus here, He didn't say, I bring light to the world. He said, I am the light of the world. What is the difference? I think it's a huge difference. Here, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, He is stressing that He is the source of that light. He is the source of that spiritual uh, understanding and illumination that comes And you can't have this uh, illumination without having Jesus himself. You can't separate the two. And he says, I am the source of it. And all that Jesus is, he embodies that light. C.S. Lewis famously said in this uh, saying, he said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Profound, isn't it? And so when Jesus is the light, it means that not only do you see Jesus, but through Jesus, you see everything else correctly. He illuminates all of life for you and your entire worldview is changed, is renewed and your life is transformed. And that's important, isn't it? Because we live according to how we understand the world. If we understand the world wrongly, we will live wrongly. And the effect of such illumination then, is is, it comes forth with truth in our life. It brings forth freedom in our life. It brings forth guidance, hope. It brings forth life itself. And we can see how light can be a metaphor for each one of these. And this morning, as we sit here and listen to the Word of God, I believe God will bring supernatural illumination into our hearts as we listen to His Word. Amen? Yes, let God bring the illumination into our hearts. And then Jesus went on to illustrate this whole concept by healing the man who was born blind. You see in verse 6, He says, Having said these things, He spit on the ground. And made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, verse 7, and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I think we can all agree that the way Jesus performed this miracle was unconventional, right? Unconventional. Why did he have to spit, make mud out of his saliva? and apply it on the man's eyes. That is gross, right? And unhygienic. Why did he have to do that? And why did he have to wash it away in that particular pool of water? You cannot go to just the tap nearby or the drain nearby, you know. It must be that pool. Well, we we cannot be absolutely certain, but what we do know is that it wasn't the spit. It wasn't the mud. It wasn't that pool of water that healed the man. Otherwise, maybe today we'll be selling bottles of that outside for healing. It wasn't that, okay? It was the power of God. And it shows that God can work through any method He wanted. He is sovereign. He can do anything He wants in any way He wants. And we must be humble enough to allow Him to work through any means. But as you will see later, some people got offended by his miracle. And before we go into that, let's shift now the spotlight to the second main character in this story, alright? And this second main character is the man who lived in darkness, right? He was not given a name, right, in this story. He was only known as the man who was born blind, okay? He never saw anything ever. He was living in darkness all his life. And we all know that living, you know, uh, as a blind person is difficult, right? But in the context of his time, it was even more pitiful. I'll tell you why. Because at that time, there was little or no social welfare benefits for the handicap. There was little of that. There was no social acceptance, no social awareness that will minimise this discrimination that he may face, right? And also, there was lack of facilities, that ate the blind like we have today. Therefore, most of them had no choice but to beg for a living. But everything changed when he met Jesus. And he was told to go wash himself in a pool of Siloam and he obeyed. He obeyed, right? He had nothing to lose. Of course, it felt gross, you know, having that mud on his face, but he humbled himself. And he did as Jesus said. And commentaries say that it is likely that they were a considerable distance to the pool of Siloam. We don't know exactly how far, but it could be a considerable distance. And remember he's blind, right? I don't know how he got there. Maybe a friend brought him or maybe he had to grope his way there. Whatever the case, right? It was inconvenient and it was not easy. But he persevered and he obeyed. And amazingly, after he washed himself in that pool, light entered his eyes for the very first time. For the first time, he began to see. Can you imagine the exhilaration? Imagine seeing colours for the first time. Imagine seeing flowers, uh, the clouds on the sky, seeing people for the very first time in his life. Jesus the light of the world brought light into his eyes. And in verses 8 to 12, we see that the people around him, they were astonished, they were baffled. You know, they couldn't believe that the man who used to sit and beg, who, has been born, who was born blind, now could see. And that was super dramatic and no wonder when the Pharisees accused Jesus of being a sinner, The blind man answered, listen to his answer in verse 25. He said, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know. That's all that matters to him. That though I was blind, now I see. Hallelujah. That's all that matters. But the Pharisees, they were very skeptical and continued to question him. And as they did, the blind man's answers were very interesting. Very interesting if you look closely. They revealed how he progressively received spiritual insight and understanding. Everybody say progressive. Progressively, yes. You see, first in verse 11, he only knew Jesus by his name, right? He was only known as the man called Jesus. That's all he knew. All right, But next, when the Pharisees accused Jesus of being a sinner, he said in verse 16, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And so here, he, he began to realize, hey, this man is not a sinner. He's not a sinner. And then he concluded that Jesus was a prophet. In verse 17, he states there, And after that, he insisted that Jesus came from God right, in verse 33. And that really angered the Pharisees, right? And they drove the blind man out of the temple. Then finally, he came to this life-changing conversation with Jesus. And said that, of course, at this time, he didn't know it was Jesus because he had not seen Jesus. Remember, he was blind when he first encountered Jesus. So in verse 35, we read this. Jesus heard that they had cast him out And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. You see, Jesus found him. Jesus sought him out. It wasn't the other way around. But Jesus took the initiative and asked him a very important question. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, the term Son of Man is a messianic title that Jesus often used of himself. Okay? It's a declaration that he's the saviour sent by God. And so this term Son of Man is significant. So Jesus was in fact asking him, do you believe that God will send a saviour, Messiah? Do you believe that? And he was ready to believe. He said, who is he that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you are looking at him now. Now he can see, right? So now you are looking at him now. And without hesitation, he called Jesus Lord. And he worshipped him there. And that, my friends, was spiritual insight he caught that aha moment. This is the Lord, the Saviour. That was spiritual insight. And you see, the healing of his eyes opened his heart to see Jesus as the Son of Man, the Messiah. And so this describes the blind man's movement from darkness to light, right? Both physically and spiritually. And with that light, came the truth, right? He realised the truth of who Jesus is and who God is. And with that light came also freedom, freedom from the darkness of physical blindness and sin in his life. And with that light also came life, where he received eternal life. And you see, in stark contrast to that, right, the next, you know, group of people that we're going to see is one group that could see physically but remained in spiritual darkness. And these were the Pharisees who never got out of darkness. You see, the Pharisees, they were very certain that Jesus is not from God. In verse 16, he said, they said that, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. So here was a wonderful miracle where a man who never saw before in his life received his sight for the first time, and this group of religious leaders, right, they could not celebrate with him. It's incredible. But all they could think of was that, hey, this man, he did it on Sabbath. They were missing the point, isn't it? And you see in verse 18 of chapter 9, the Jews, okay, and this refers to the Jewish religious leaders and their followers, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So they were highly sceptical. And even after repeated explanations by different parties, they still refused to accept this wonderful thing that happened. And I want to suggest to you that there are a few reasons for this. And this is important. There are a few reasons for this. See, firstly, this uh, politically, uh, the, the religious leaders, they were very jealous of Jesus because Jesus is gaining popularity and they were finding all sorts of ways and opportunities to try and discredit Him. So they were jealous. Secondly, they were prideful because they were religious leaders. They thought they knew it all. And lastly, perhaps the most important was that they had no compassion at all for the poor the needy, the blind. They had no compassion. They didn't care about their suffering. And so for all these reasons, their pride, their jealousy, and their lack of compassion, their hearts were hardened. It was hardened. And that obstructed them from seeing Jesus for who He was. He is the light of the world. And they were spiritually blind. Spiritually blind. And that's why Jesus concluded in this story in verse 39. He said this, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Wow, profound, right? And verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So Jesus was saying here that those who humbly acknowledge that they were spiritually blind, if you are willing to just acknowledge that and that you need spiritual illumination from the light of the world, you will get spiritual understanding. If you're willing to acknowledge that, humbling ourselves. When you tell yourself right now, be humble, tell yourself, be humble. Yes, those on the, online can type in the chat as well, be humble. Because those who refuse to acknowledge their spiritual blindness, insisting that they can see, will not be able to see Jesus for who he is. And for the Pharisees, they had a huge blind spot. It was a blind spot. And because they were too prideful to acknowledge their blind spot, they never got out of their darkness. What a tragedy for them. So having seen these three groups of character, what does it mean for us? And I believe that the author John intended for his readers to identify themselves with the three characters in this story. Let's first consider how we can be like the Pharisees, okay? Yes, the Pharisees. I didn't get it wrong, okay? Yes, let's consider how perhaps we can be like the Pharisees. Think about this. Things are going relatively well in life right? They were generally well-to-do, they were well-respected, they made a decent living and they even seemed spiritually enlightened. And I think that describes most of us, many of us here today, right? And it's easy sometimes when things are going well to feel that we don't really need God. Maybe at the back of your mind you're thinking, life is pretty good, you know, why do I need this light of the world? God's Word is pointing out to us today that it is possible we don't realize we are living in darkness. It is possible. And it is a blind spot. So the first thing we need to do is that we need to get out of darkness. Make sure you get out of darkness. And the Apostle Paul said this very uh, enlightening uh, statement in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. He said, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Blinded to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there is a spiritual blindness that unbelievers have that hinders them from seeing Christ in His glory, the Saviour, Messiah. Something is blocking them. Something is hindering them. And so how do we know if we are spiritually blind? How do we know that? It's similar to physical blindness, similar. See, when you can't see, right? uh, You don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. Maybe you can't find things around you. And you, you don't know what's in front of you, right? When you're physically blind. And there are similar consequences to spiritual blindness. For someone who is spiritually blind, you don't know where you came from. Right? Where you came from. You don't know where you're going. What is your purpose in life? And I'm not talking about speculation or your gut feel or you think that, oh, this is my purpose. But are you sure this is your purpose? And you don't know who you truly are, your true identity. Are you just flesh and blood? So someone who is spiritually blind will not know some of these questions. And friends, Jesus is the light who will bring illumination to all these questions in your life. He will bring illumination if you will allow Him. And 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus desires to shine His light into your heart so that you know who Jesus is. And when you know Jesus, you will know your true identity. He will show you that you were created by God for relationship with Him and to be a part of His family. That is who you are. And when you know that, you will know your purpose in life. You will you'll be free to fulfill your destiny and there will there'll be hope for you even in the darkest situations of your life. So if you open your heart to Jesus, trusting Him as your Savior, and submit to Him as your Lord, you will be able to say like the blind man said, I was blind, but now I see. Amen. So open up your heart and get out of darkness. Next, we can also be like Jesus, right? Let's identify ourselves with Jesus right now. He is the light of the world. And we are also called to be the salt and light to the world. We are children of light, remember? And friends, there is so much spiritual darkness in our world. There's so much darkness, isn't it? Just like what you're experiencing right now. Friends, many people in the world are trapped in darkness. Bound by sin and sickness. And they can't recognise this wonderful Saviour and Lord we know as Jesus. Let this be an illustration to remind you how the world lives in spiritual darkness. And and they don't know their Creator. They don't know their Heavenly Father. They don't know uh, their Good Shepherd who loves them unconditionally. And they need you and me to bring some light into their lives. And so I want all of us right now to take your mobile phones and turn on the screen and show, shine your light out. Turn on your mobile phones right now. Yeah, that's beautiful. You see, each one of us, we have a little light to shine. Amen. Amen. We have a little light to shine. We can do a little act of grace. We can invite our neighbours to our place for a simple meal. We can extend an invitation to bring to church. So friends, let us bring our little light to light up our world because each little light that we have will make a difference to illuminate our world. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise. I hope this Ill- little illustration can remind you of what it's like living in spiritual darkness. And so, Gracious, I believe God will use our Good Friday production very powerfully. You have seen the schedule of services. So much work has been put in. And we sense quite a bit of spiritual opposition. Those of you who are involved, you will know what I'm trying to say. There's spiritual opposition in what we are trying to do. So bring someone to the light by inviting them to this very important, to hear this very important message. Tell your neighbour, bring someone. Amen. Lastly, we can identify ourselves with the blind men. We need to grow in our spiritual understanding. Those online, type in the chat right now, grow. We need to grow. Remember how it was a gradual process for the blind man, right? And wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's so much more to grow and to learn about the Lord. John eight twelve we read earlier, says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Follows is the present continuous tense. It means that it is a continual decision to follow Jesus. And only then can we keep on walking in the light. We need to keep allowing more of His light to illuminate our lives and expose our dark side, expose our blind spots. We need to keep allowing that. When you read the Bible, ask God to illuminate your heart. When you need wisdom, ask God to illuminate your heart. When you listen to a sermon, ask God to illuminate your heart. And from this story, we can see that the humble the broken and obedient are better able to gain spiritual illumination. They are better able. And, and gracious this is what I sense God saying to us today: that it is frequently through suffering, through pain and challenges that we gain a better and a deeper understanding of who Christ is. Frequently through pain, through our suffering. And was it difficult to be born blind? Definitely. But because of that, the blind man encountered Jesus and and he met the light of the world and he got saved. And I know, and I personally know, many Christians, you're going through difficult times in your life. It's the struggles, perhaps in your marriage, perhaps with your children, perhaps with your health. It's challenging. and Or maybe it's just the the challenges of daily life that's getting you down. But I want to encourage you today. Jesus comes to you. He takes the initiative to come near to you. And He says, I am the light of the world. I will shine my light into your darkness. I will shine my light of hope you need hope. I'll shine my light of guidance when you need guidance. I'll shine my light of freedom to set you free. If we would just be humble, open up our hearts and allow Him to do that to us. You see, um, back in 2014 to 2018, uh, it was a period of time when I was juggling many, many things in my life at once, okay? Uh, Maybe I'm too ambitious, but I was juggling many things. I was really in full-time ministry, serving the young adults ministry. Uh, Ministry was intensive. Um, I was also doing my theological studies at TCA at that point in time. Um, And I was also running a small business at the side. And over on top of all that, right, I had two newborn children born in that period, 2014 to 2018. And... And it was overwhelming. I felt really, really overwhelmed many times. And I remember there were times that I had to uh, spend my off days, right, uh, reading, doing, catching up on my readings. And I had to do my papers overnight. Pastor John may know what I'm talking about. And it was tough. And there were times, you know, I was so exhausted that I would hide in the shower and I would be crying in the shower <laughs> because I didn't want my family to know. I didn't want them to hear me. Right, it was... It was difficult, overwhelming. But gracious, that was the time that I had no choice but to cling on to God for dear life. No choice. And I just cried out to God. I just depended on Him. I, I just really rely on Him. And it was that time that I began to understand what it means by God is my Peace. I experienced a supernatural peace I've never experienced before. I couldn't explain it but there was a stillness in my heart. There was a steadiness that said to me, you know, everything is going to be alright inside my heart. And I could sleep well every night. So I experienced at that time, God is my shalom, my peace. So in the same way, Gracious, trust Him in your financial difficulty, in your financial challenges, and you will understand what it means by God is your provider. Surrender your emotional hurts and pain to Him and you will understand what it means by God is my healer. In all of these things, your pain, your struggles, your suffering can be catalysts for you to know God in a deeper way. Amen. And so I believe that God is calling all of us to respond right now. Shall we just put our hands on your heart right now? Put your hands on your heart right now and say to the Lord, say, Lord Jesus, let your light shine into my heart. One more time, with all your heart, say, Lord Jesus, let your light shine into my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, thank You for bringing light into the world. Thank You that You are light. Thank You for bringing spiritual understanding to us, for bringing hope, bringing guidance, bringing truth into our lives. Father, let Your light dispel every fear right now. Let Your light shine and dispel every lie, every deception. Every hopelessness is dispelled by the light of Jesus. Let, Lord, let, let your light break every bondage. Let your light dispel every depression, every spiritual blindness in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. I want to call two groups of people right now to respond to the Lord how we respond to Him determines how much of God's light we allow into our lives. And perhaps today you know someone living in spiritual darkness and you want to bring that person to the light. One way to do that is to invite that person to the Good Friday service or you can reach out to that person in any other way that the Lord leads you. You can come along and pray with us as a church at J. Whatever it is, if you have some names in mind, why don't you raise your hand to the Lord right now Raise your hand to the Lord if you have some names in mind. Yes, as a prophetic act, you say, God, I'm going to lift these names up to you right now. Thank you, Lord. Father God, you see all these names. Just mention these names before God right now. Say, God, I will lift up these names to you. Father Lord, let your light shine into their hearts. Let there be light in Jesus' name into their lives. And Father, let these people come respond to the invitation and then come to Jesus and be safe. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The second group of people, perhaps, you know, after hearing this message, you want to allow your challenges, your suffering, the difficult things you're going through to be catalyst for you to know God in a deeper way and to grow in your spiritual understanding. You want that. Those, those difficulties can open the door for His light to shine into your life, and say today you say, I want to humble myself. I want to come in my brokenness, and I want to allow the light of the world to enter. Why don't I want to indicate to the Lord right now by raising your hands and say, Lord, I want to allow the light of the world to enter. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Keep your hands raised as an indication to the Lord. You say, I want to allow my challenges to help me to grow in my spiritual understanding of who God is and who Christ is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, you see these hands that are raised. Lord, whatever it is is are going through, God, you have compassion on them and you'll come near to them right now. And Father, through those things, you shine your light and bring illumination into their hearts that God, they can draw close to you and they can know you more. So we thank you. Hallelujah. Why don't you please stand with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. As we sing this next song, I want us to just come to the altar. Respond to the Lord. Come to the altar if you have a need. Come to the altar. Let us pray with you. And I believe that the Lord is going to shine His light into your life. Come
1: right now. In Light of the world, thank you, Lord. You step down into darkness. Oh, Hallelujah! Light of the world, open my eyes, let me oh, see. Oh, let us
0: see, you oh God. Hallelujah.
1: Beauty that me. this heart adore you. Hope of a life you, spent with you. Hallelujah. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely. And all together worthy And all together wonderful to me King of all days The King of all days O so highly exalted Glorious in heaven above. The earth created all of became Come on, declare it out. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. All together, lovely and all together. Lift your voice. All together worthy, all together One more time, we sing, Here I am to worship. So here I am.